You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. We're live. <laughs> I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and smoke a really fine cigar. It's time for happy hour. It's the Man Cave Happy Hour. Whiskey, cigar, spirits, and stories that go along with it. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Hey, I am Matthew Fox. And we are downtown, downtown Detroit. One of, the, one of our favorite destinations. We're we love getting Sugar in the house. city. And we're at the Sugar we're House. In, we're, we're in Court Town. Yes. It's the Sugar House. We're getting our Irish on. Yes, we are. And we're going to get our Scottish on. Yeah, we're getting our Scottish on tonight. Because we have a very special guest with us tonight, yes. too. Uh, national brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Cameron, Cameron George. Absolutely. And uh, you represent both uh, Ardbeg and Glen Morangi. Absolutely. Yep. More orangey. More, more orangey. orangey. <laughs> yes. Glen more orangey. Glen Morangi. There it is. Uh, and Ardbeg, two very iconic distilleries from Scotland. Yes. Uh, I fell in love with both of them quite quite early in my bartending career. Actually, Glenmo was the first whiskey that I ever fell in love with. Nice. Uh, and I have not looked back ever since. <laughs> Kind of stuck with the Scottish, the, the absolutely. Scotch and the whiskey. I, you know, I bounced around. I, I fell in love with quite a few different American whiskeys, and I, I had my love affair with Mescal as well. Uh, but honestly, I, it's always been about Scotch for me. So okay. yeah, came right back to it. Ardbeg, I, I visited out at Ardbeg five years ago and fell in love with that distillery, that place, the people, and now. Five years later, I get to be national ambassador for, for my favorite brand on the planet. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. That is that's pretty amazing. So what led you to uh, being a brand ambassador? Is there, was there a college degree behind this? Was it just years of drinking? What, what is it a blend of the two, like scotches? What is it? Um, yeah, so just kind of a little bit about me. Um, actually, no, it wasn't a college degree. I ended up deciding I was finished at university. Uh, I was going to school in Portland, and I moved home. My mom is a very tough love kind of human being. All right. So she decided, you know what? Nah, you can't live here. You got to get a job. You got to find a way to put food on your table. And so I started washing dishes at a dive bar, and I found out that I loved the way that bars made people feel. They're about community. They're about people desiring to be a part of something more than just themselves. Right? And I also fell in love with you know, spirits as well. Uh, after working in the dive bar, I went into kind of a craft cocktail scene, uh, started working at a lot of well-known craft cocktail bars in Seattle, Washington, my home. Uh, and, you know, from there, just started learning a lot more about spirits, about the intersection of culture and, you know, encapsulating time in a bottle. That's what whiskey is. Ooh, right. uh, and so I just fell in love with that, like, and I developed a very strong passion for it. So stuck with it. You have to be a people person to do what you do as well. Absolutely. You will have to want to know that you want to get to know people. Absolutely. You, ha- you have to be able to talk on a level. Mm-hmm. And doing what you do today, you know, you, you can talk on a very high level. But we're novices on the Man Kid Happy Hour. <laughs> that's all good. Point. We're here to learn. We're here yeah. to learn. Yeah. So, you know, appreciate all the knowledge that you bring to the mm-hmm. table tonight. Um, my question for you guys, for, for you right now, is what led you down to pick the cocktails mm-hmm. so far tonight? Absolutely. Yeah. So, the two cocktails that we're featuring right now, the Riptide, which actually has a little bit of Glen Morangy and some Ardbeg, as well as a little bit of guava. Um, Glen Morangy aims to make one of the lightest and cleanest and most floral styles of distillate on the market. 
Uh, they make what I lovingly refer to as breakfast whiskey, Ooh, right? So, so good. it's <laughs> such an incredible. <laughs> I'm incredible pulling, pulling catchphrases out of here. Like <laughs> exactly. It's a time in a bottle, breakfast mm-hmm. whiskey. I love this. All right. Exactly. So Glenmorangie makes very like just very approachable, very um, floral style of scotch, and then it's older brother actually because Ardbeg actually predates Glenmorangie Distillery. Okay. Um, Ardbeg makes this very just large, untamed, just beast of a whiskey, right? right, right. So those two things working in tandem can do some really beautiful things. Some of the nuance that I love about Ardbeg is that it's not only just smoke and gloom and doom. We actually aim to make what is, in effect, the lightest spirit on Isla as well. So that's why Ardbeg goes so well with citrus. You're like looking at me like, what do you mean? it's so light, right? Right? So it's heavily peated, but we're also the only Isla whiskey distillery with what we call a purifier on our stills. So that purifier actually allows us to kind of fake some of the reflux that Glenmorangie achieves naturally because they have very tall stills, actually the tallest in all of Scotland, right? These stills have been around since 1843. So the ones that Glenmorangie came in uh, were not installed by the Maitland brothers who actually built the distillery, they were actually installed late in the 70s, right? Um, At Ardbeg, however, the purifier, the piece of equipment that I spoke about a little bit earlier, there's actually no written record of when that went onto the stills at Ardbeg. So that's kind of part of the lore of the distillery is that, you know, we don't know when this went on, but we've actually had it um, on the stills, essentially every iteration of the stills that we've done at Ardbeg. We're even now going through an expansion where two new stills are being added. The spirit still that's being added at Ardbeg will actually also have a purifier as well. Because we were commenting as we were trying the uh, welcome cocktails, and we always love when there's welcome cocktails. Mm-hmm. We know we know we're we're in trouble when there's, <laughs> there's welcome, welcome cocktails. cocktails. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we we were noting that the the Manhattan made primarily with the art bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a sucker for really, it. Really, you love a Manhattan. Really light. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then there, it's like a little cucumber as a garnish. Uh, and so you really, you're not expecting that light fresh. Yep. Um, especially when you have a scotch-based mm-hmm. Manhattan, uh, and I taste it. There's a lot of peat, but it's not. It's not heavy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, again, like that. Even though Ardbeg, so Ardbeg is such a uh, kind of like a peaty paradox of a whiskey, right? Mm. Okay. So the most heavily peated whiskey in regular production. That's my rapper name, by the way. Peaty paradox. Peaty paradox. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, that not, is. It's not. That is gold. It, it, it is should not. be. And I look forward to the album. Petty and Petey when you put that out, right? It's going to have a yeah. very Irish feel to it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots so, of pipes. Um, so, yes, actually, Ardbeg, you know, we do utilize a, a phenolic malt barley base of about 55 to 65 parts per million, right? Okay. So, essentially, phenols are these, like, water-soluble, um, kind of, like, heavier organic compounds that will essentially attach themselves to the outside of the husk of, of barley throughout the malting process, specifically in the drying phase, right? So when you go to dry barley that's actually being malted, right? So what happens is for the first 16 hours, our malting facility, Port Ellen, uh, Port Ellen Maltings, is going to take peat, right? So peat moss that's essentially just decaying plant matter that lives in a carbon neutral like or a carbon rich environment so it doesn't decay all the way. Sure. So it's got a lot of organic um, fusels that can still be like ignited and burned, right? So when you burn that over the first 16 hours, some of that smoke, that peat smoke carries forward what you call 
um, phenols. So those phenols will attach themselves to the outside of the malted barley, and that's what gives you the aromatics and the flavor of wow. smoke, right? All right. Yeah, oh my yeah exactly. My mind just blew it's like, <laughs> I love, I yeah. love I love the information. I love the information. So Ardbeg and Glenmorangie, um, are they uh, affiliated or are you just, are they, how are they connected? Uh, they are brother, sister, brother and brother, sister and sister, however you want to refer to it. These, uh, these two distilleries will forever be linked. Okay. Uh, 1997, Glenmorangie Company came in and actually purchased Ardbeg. Okay. Ardbeg had been essentially closed since 1981, well, at least from 81 till 89. Okay. And then again from 91 until 97, the distillery was actually set to be knocked down and be demolished. Glenmorangie came in and bought it, and do you want to take a guess at how much they spent to buy the distillery? Okay, is this oh, like a, is this it's like either like higher or lower, right? Yeah, it's, you know, because yeah, either they got it for a steal yeah, or right. they took it's a bath one, on exactly. It. It's, one uh, it's one or the other. Well, if it so. was scheduled for destruction, I'm gonna go low. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say you know under a million, maybe maybe seven fifty. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under seven point five million. Exactly. Oh, you'd be you basically be exactly right. So about seven million. A lot. Yep, okay. seven million. A large part of the purchase was actually um, for some of the whiskeys that had been sitting uh, there throughout some of the the seventy the seventies and. They had been sitting dormant during the 80s as well, right? Is anything, stuff was sitting in barrels for a while? Yep, yeah, stuff was sitting in barrels for, for quite a long time okay. um, because there was just no activity at the distillery because the whiskey industry was, quite honestly, taking a nosedive off of a cliff, you know? Sure. Um, whiskey had lost a lot of popularity. People were drinking a lot of vodka, uh, single malt specifically. There were mass closures across the industry. Uh, so Ardbeg suffered and ended up closing, and Glen Morangie is kind of the light at the end of the tunnel that kind of pulled us out of that darkness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So they will be uh, intertwined for, yes. for some time. Yep, for years. So you have a master distiller. Yes. Uh, Dr. Doctor. I love he's got a doctor. Dr. Right? Bill Lumsden. Yeah. So Dr. Bill, is, uh, is he the master distiller at both locations? For so... Both? Yes. Uh, Dr. Bill doesn't work out of either distillery. Right. His actual office is in Edinburgh um, at what we call the Cube. Right? The Pube? The Cube. Cube. The Cube. Like yeah, yep, like exactly. Cubes. So the Cube is essentially <laughs> the... Um, the, the the like the crown jewel in, in the mad scientist's crown, you know. So okay. that's where he does all of the nosing of each whiskey that Ardbeg and Glen Morangie put out and have put out since 1995, I believe, is when he started at uh, when he started with Glen Morangie Company. So he is in effect the head of our whiskey creation team. Uh, he does have a brilliant young man by the name of Brendan McCarran, who is his right hand, and then Jillian, who is uh, essentially the the other right hand. There's no left hand in this situation as well, Everybody right? Everybody knows exactly which hand exactly, is doing. Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, so the three of them are the whiskey creation team behind Ardbeg and Glen Morangie. Each distillery does have a distillery manager that oversees day-to-day -day production and production of the new make spirit. All right, and so there's there's several offerings from from each of the distilleries. Yes, and we have two in front of us. One from each. We asked you, give us a little something, right? Yeah. We we enjoyed the cocktails immensely, but let's let's try the naked soul. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> see what we got. So let's start with. Well, where should we start? Right. So I would say let's start with the Glenmorangie Quinta Ruban. Right. Okay. Quinta Ruban. 
Um, so Glenmorangie Quinto Ruban is quite an interesting whiskey that's just gone through a very fun facelift. Okay. So the original Quinto Ruban was actually um, part of what we call the EMR range, Extended Matured Range, right? Okay. EMR, right? So at Glenmorangie, they are the masters of finishing whiskeys. Essentially since the mid-60s, 1967, they started experimenting with secondary aging of, uh, of, new, of, of spirit in secondary barrels, right? Okay. So meaning they'll take a barrel or they'll take new-made new spirit, put it into ex-bourbon barrels, Right. And then pull that out of the ex-bourbon barrel and put it into another style of cask, right? So they started that when they started essentially messing around with sherry casks, right? Yes. Quinto Ruban is not a sherry cask finish. It's actually a ruby port cask finish, Ooh, okay. right? So we've taken that whiskey that we've laid down for 10 years and then put it into ruby port casks. For how long? How, now, how long does it hang out in the ruby port cask? So realistically, this first batch of Quinto Ruban is between... 11 and 11 and 12 years in the ex bourbon okay. and about two and a half to three years okay. in the port cast the color yes is gorgeous it's shocking uh it's yeah i mean the the color on this it, it's, it's got an amber look to it yeah, but it's, a very, it's a very clear and, and yep. depending on the light hitting it, it yeah. it's like yeah. a, you get a rose glare here and there nailed it you absolutely nailed that that's one of my favorite elements about pouring this whiskey yeah. is not only the way it looks in glass or the way that it looks um you know uh, as you're um, essentially in the bottle but as it how it looks when it's coming out of the bottle into your glass you get this perfect like ruby red almost grapefruit Ooh, undertone yeah. okay. that sits and kind of rides along like the the copper the amber notes as well yeah. it's just a beautiful whiskey to look at in the sun it's 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 shockingly beautiful <laughs> so now when i nose this because we got one to split here matt you're getting sloppy seconds <laughs> I should have thought ahead. You know Sorry, gents. I should have grabbed that's two. That's okay. I'll, yeah. I'll no, take you're it. Good, you're good. <laughs> so as as I'm nosing this one, what what should I what what should I look what should I look for? Absolutely. For. Yeah. For a so first and foremost, I think that it's clearly and unmistakably Glen Morangy. You're going to get a lot of elements of like white flower, a little bit of lemon peel, jasmine oh, as nice. jasmine as well. But then you're going to start to notice something deeper, something a little bit darker, something a little bit richer. That is actually the ruby port cast kind of shine through a little bit there, right? got, I'm, I'm nosing it myself that's very sweet on the nose exactly nailed it it's very I, neat very I sweet. pull out like a little bit of like chocolate as well as some dark like cigar notes think I actually maybe it's just the fact that I had a couple of Cuban cigars last night <laughs> but like yeah still <laughs> sitting on your palate exactly <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe it is that but I do get this like you know, almost nutty driven kind of characteristic to the whiskey, as well as some residual sugar as well that's kind of lingering around the rim of the glass, you know? Yeah, Jamie's a big peat guy. He likes his peat. Mm -hmm. So he's tasting it right now, and I'm curious, Jamie, what do you think of the peat on this? It's not overpowering. Okay. It's it's in there. It's it's subtle. The peat in this is actually a little more, for me right now, it's, it's, it's subtle. I had a sip and a half. Um, not super peaty. It's finishing. It's hanging out. There's some peat there as, as it's finishing. That, um, that, as it's finishing, it's you know, very, I'm getting honey. It's very sweet. It's one of sweet. one of the things that I like to point out, and this is kind of a cool relationship between the two whiskey distilleries, is that I firmly believe that these distilleries 
make a 10-year or a base whiskey that is actually very similar to each other. Yeah. We just go about it by doing the exact opposite thing from each other <laughs> at, the, at every possible turn. Okay. So Glenmorangie, think Highland. Ardbeg, think Isla. Glenmorangie, definitely think unpeated. It's an unpeated whiskey. Ardbeg, think heavily, heavily peated. Glenmorangie, think stainless steel fermentation. And Ardbeg, you have to think about the Oregon pine washbacks, right? And then they are the masters in finishing, while Ardbeg utilizes whole components that are aged separately. So the reason that I mentioned that there is because, yes, Glenmorangie is an unpeated whiskey, but there, especially in Quinta Ruban, there are some traces of smoke. Right. Smoke isn't only tethered to peat, right? Right. Smoke can actually come from the interaction of spirit moving in and out of the char layer inside of an ex-bourbon barrel, right? right? Because those barrels are toasted and then charred as well, right? Yeah. So some of that smoke can actually be because of the barrel influence, right? So there is actually a phenolic content to Glenmorangie. It's just really, 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 really low. Yeah, right? so yeah, I wasn't getting much in here at all. It was, it was very, it was very... It was very. It's like I, I get a little bit of pee. Yep. Like I've, not, I've been, I've yeah. been sipping on all kinds of stuff yeah. tonight already too. Exactly. Yeah. For, you know, I, Scott for me always for me always tastes peaty. Yep. You know, you know, Scott because again my palate sucks, but any Scotch really send, feels peaty to me. But this mm. has a different element for me. Yep. This is something that I that I want to actually go buy like right now. Absolutely. And, and take it home. You but should. When would sh when should someone start to drink this in an evening? Would it be you know, at the beginning of the evening, middle of the evening, after dinner, what would go well with, with uh, one more engine? Whiskey fans, yes. hear me and hear me now. Drink whiskey whenever you feel like drinking whiskey. Drink whiskey however you feel like drinking whiskey. No one should tell you how to enjoy your glass of whiskey. Every per every dram should be personal to how you enjoy it. I started asking that question just to yeah. Every every grand rep and every distiller we talk to yeah. answers the same thing. Exactly. They're like, drink it however you want. Drink just it how you want. It. Just keep <laughs> drinking it, you know. But um, I would I for me personally. Quinto Ruban, I absolutely love with steak. Yeah, right? okay. I love it with, um, you know, a steak. I love it with bone marrow. Whereas, like, something like the Glenmorangie original, the tenure that Glenmo does, yeah, yeah. I'll generally drink that in highballs as kind of, like, refreshing cocktails before going into my meals. But, again, that's just me personally, yeah. right? Everybody has, everybody has a different relationship with whiskey. I, yeah, I just, uh, so I was going to say, what would you pair this with? What, yeah. type, of, what type of food or, or, or fruit or, or snack would you pair this with? Yeah. I would say absolutely something that has a little bit more weight to it. I, I mentioned, like, steak. Kind of as I was think saying that, I was actually thinking like pork chop with some sort of like blue, like some sort of like blueberry like crema on top of it or something like that as well. Um, anything that is like both rich and has like kind of fruit notes at the same time, that whiskey will go a long way with. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. You're hogging it. Yeah, I, so save some for me, guys. Like, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the man cave, my friend. That's it. It's every man for himself in the man cave. Yeah, closed mouths don't get fed, as my mom said. <laughs> All right, so we have another one on the table. Absolutely. And it was really funny because both Matthew and I, we DJ weddings and parties and mm -hmm. stuff on the weekend. I teach high school. He's a banker. I do radio stuff, but we both do weddings. And he's got to meet with a bride and groom in probably yeah. about an hour. Oh, yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> Let's get a double over here. Yeah, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, oh, no, we got lots of time. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. We still got an I, hour. I love, I love yeah. you guys. Right? I, I love you. I love, yeah. 
<laughs> so before we ship Matthew off, mm-hmm. what do we have in this other one? Here? Whiskey number two. We're not we're not in any kind of hurry. Of course, yeah. that he's gonna be lit when he goes talk to his bride. That's <laughs> <laughs> on the phone anyway, so we're good. Uh, oh, it's a phone. Oh, it's oh, even right better. Even okay. better. They won't be able to. They won't be able to uh, smell, smell it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say there's a, there's not enough Tic Tacs. Did he seem mm-hmm. off to you? Yeah, just right? a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's very jovial. All right, so what do we got? So actually, you know, it's very interesting that you kind of mentioned, you know, we, they won't be able to smell you over the phone, right? Because this whiskey is aromatic as all get out. You know, this is just an incredible whiskey. To me, it's already jumping out of the glass. Actually, as I was walking behind you over here to sit down to do this, I could actually smell the Anno coming out of the glass even there, right? So Ardbeg Anno is an interesting whiskey that Ardbeg actually released in 2017. It's the newest addition to our core range. That's actually why I selected it. It's also the world whiskey of the year in terms of best Isla whiskeys, best peated whiskeys, and best non-age statement whiskeys as well. All right. So Ardbeg NO has done very, very, very well this year. Sounds um, like it. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible dram that... N-O? Uh, N-O, yeah, exactly. It's like, think of it like saying, I know, but with a Scottish accent. I know. I know. Is it on the list here? Absolutely. So it's the second one right there okay. on the list. This right one? here. Yep, right, exactly. All right. Yeah. The one with all the awards next to it. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. And those are only from this year as well. Yeah, wow. Right? Um, Ardbeg this year was actually named World Whiskey Distillery of the Year, uh, which is back-to-back uh, 2018 and 2019 World Whiskey Distillery of the Year. But um, Ardbeg, I know, like I was saying, is the newest whiskey in our core range. So this is very interesting, and the reason that I selected it is because it's a perfect example of the nuance that Ardbeg is able to create within the peated malt category, right? So this draws on whiskeys that have spent their whole life in a, a marriage of different barrels. You have some whiskey that spent its whole life in first and second fill ex-bourbon barrels. You have some whiskey that spent its whole life in essentially Pedro Jimenez sherry cast. Okay. And you have whiskey that spent its whole life in virgin American oak, right? So those components are aged separately, but then they're brought together to create a new whiskey, right? And so that's really the large difference between how Ardbeg and Glen Morangie work. Glen Morangie, masters in finishing whiskeys. Ardbeg, masters in assembling whiskeys. Okay. Right? Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Dr. Bill is uh, leading up a crew. He's a busy man. Uh, making these blends. Absolutely. All right, so this is a blend. Yes. It's it's a it is by definition a single malt, oh. but it's a vatting of different barrels. Okay. Right? So blend would Small lead us to right believe away. that it would be either single malts from multiple yeah. different distilleries, sure. or essentially essentially single malt that has been teaspooned into grain whiskey. Right. That's what blend would imply. Okay. We refer this to this as a vatting because these are this is a single malt from a single distillery. Okay. It's just different barrels, different styles of barrels that are being brought together. It's got some right? amazing legs on yeah. there. It has it really incredible does. legs to it, right? A lot of that is actually because of the first and second fill X bourbon, but more importantly, actually the virgin American oak. So virgin American oak is very high, or American oak in general, is very high in a compound called lignin, right? Okay. So lignins essentially are broken down into smaller chains, things like vanillin, right? So that's why when you drink something like a bourbon, you think custard, you think vanilla, you think toffee, right? Right. That's because of American oak and its lignin content, 
right? Wow. Okay. Close. Yeah. See, I, I've never heard that word lignin before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in all honesty, I mean, we've, we've had a number of shows. That's the first time anyone's ever mentioned the word lignin. Right? Before. Well, again, that's that's what kind of gives you that, like, that's why people are like, well, bourbon is so sweet. Mm-hmm. There's no sugar added to bourbon whiskey. It's, it's actually just the interaction of the chemical compounds that exist within the wood and then the new made spirit, right? Right. Because right. alcohol is a solvent, right? So it breaks things down, it pulls flavors, it pulls compound, it extracts things out of that wood, right? Right, right, right. Because I always get a vanilla feel out of any bourbon that I do. Exactly. Because yeah. that's just where my palate takes yep. me. It's not, it's not educated enough. Well, no, it is. It's perfectly educated because you're getting the main, yeah, you're getting the, per, you're getting that, uh, that vanillin, and that is a key indicator of American oak, right? So this whiskey is designed to be soft up front. It's supposed to be very inviting, almost supple, right? So I get like kind of mold honey almost, um, fresh. I get like fresh malted barley, a little bit of chocolate, maybe some blackberry, a little bit of fresh cracked pepper, and then poof, that smoke. It's almost incendiary, right? Black yeah, pepper. Yeah, yeah. The, the, black the, pepper came out. The berry. The mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm feeling that, and then the, the, the smoke is in there. Very exactly. Is there. I it's, love uh, the smoke on that, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not overbearing. It is. It is a perfect blend. Yeah. Exactly. That smoke just really comes out, right. and it hits hit me really nicely. Ethanol flavor at all? I mean, getting. I I had none on 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 the first one. Yeah. A little in this, but not bad. I mean, you're, you're drinking. Yeah, you're you're drinking, drinking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So just getting a little bit on, on this one. Not a. Not I a, didn't really get any ethanol ton, on that one. But the 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 the, the peat is like mm-hmm. rounding it out, and yeah. that goes that, that was there for just a moment, and then the peat is just the peat's still hanging out. Absolutely. By you know, it's very interesting. Even though we only utilize one recipe to create Ardbeg's new made spirit. It's essentially that same recipe, that 55 to 65 parts per million in terms of its phenolic content. We're able to create whiskeys that appear less smoky or more smoky or more complex based on the barrels that we're utilizing to create those whiskeys, right? So in the case of Anno, Anno actually tastes smokier to me than the 10-year does, even though it's softer up front. Right. Again, back to that kind of PD paradox, right? That's such a great PD, smoky taste. It's got yeah. such a great smoky feel. Mm-hmm. I'm loving PD paradox. Yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. It's going on a wiki, t-shirt. Wiki. It's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> PD paradox. Love it. Guy in a kilt behind some turntables with a bottle. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm, I was... That was deli- so that was so delicious. I completely forgot what we were about to taste and just blindly took a sip of it and I was just oh gets my juices flowing. That is yeah, exciting whiskey. Your knowledge, Cameron, thank you so much. You of course, know, yeah, not a with, with the Arbrick and NO and the Glen Morangi. Oh my goodness. Yep. This is real a lot of fun. You know, I, that's one of the things is I'm a full-on proponent that whiskey should be less of a dark and scary and kind of mysterious place. We should have fun with our whiskey. We should encourage people to make cocktails. Whiskey should bring people together. It's not built to divide people, right? Whiskey should be a unifier. Where are these available? Uh, So we're here in the metro Detroit area, but nationwide, readily available? Readily available, yep. uh, So these are both whiskeys that exist in the core range of, of both houses. So we make these whiskeys... 365 days a year, every single year, um, you will. There will never be really shortages on on either of these whiskeys. I guess I shouldn't promise that. Doctor Bill, keep up the good work. Yeah, Don't yeah, yeah, allow yeah, shortages. Yeah. Now That's that I promise that to the people, towards, right? Towards yeah. shortages. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but right now, pretty readily readily, readily available. available yeah. All, okay. all markets. Yep. Okay. 
So if you look around, you'll find it. And uh, oh yeah, Cameron, yeah. thank you. Thank of you. course, we can't not a problem. Enough of your time. Thank, thank, you. thank you so very much. For really everything. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for having me on. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work, y'all. Yeah, right. absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much, y'all. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, there it is. Clink, clink. So great conversation with Cameron. Oh my goodness. Uh, about the the spirits, right? Such a great Len guy. Ranji, really great guy. Ardbeg, right? Yeah. Gotta say, gotta say, right? Uh, they're tricky. Glenn Morangi. Glenn Morangi. Was it? Glenn Morangi. Or Orangey. Morangi. Glenn Morangi. Yeah. Ardbeg. <laughs> it, it'll roll off the palate eventually. So, but yeah, like we said, we're here downtown Detroit. One of our favorite places to be downtown Detroit and in downtown Detroit. In Corktown. One of our favorite places to be, the Sugar House. Sugar House. Thank Certainly you. my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> and with us. <laughs> yeah, Jason. Jason Leinart. So, Jason, what do you do here at uh, the Sugar House? Uh, well, I started off as a bar back at the Sugar House a little over four years ago. Currently, I work in marketing for the hospitality group, the Detroit Optimist Society, that oversees the Sugar House and some other bars and restaurants within the city of Detroit, yeah. including uh, Wright & Company, the Peterborough, Bad Luck, Honest John's, wow. Muni Tiki Bar. Um, oh, sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> uh, now I can't remember who I didn't say. Uh, Grandma Bob's right across the street. Um, so we've got all those properties currently. But I did bartend here for a number of years. I still work on the whiskey program and, and the marketing. So... It's, a, it's really fun. So the Sugar House, they, I mean, they have a few properties. Uh, but tell us about the Sugar House because it's about eight years running. Yep. Our uh, eight-year anniversary is uh, coming up October 7th. Yeah. Uh, we're super excited. It's Detroit's original craft cocktail bar. So, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and you guys do it right. Phenomenal job. Yeah, thank you. Dave Kwiatkowski is the uh, sole owner here at the Sugar House. He's got a variety of different uh, partners that work at some of the other properties Uh after the fact, but at the Sugar House, it's uh, you know Dave is from a Michigan, uh, Detroit area originally. Uh, you know he traveled, worked in Chicago for a number of years. He had a a blog uh, that was really popular. He was super into cocktails, so he moved back to Detroit. Uh, just really wanted to introduce uh, Detroit to uh, you know craft cocktails that he was familiar with. So I remember there's an anecdote of him. A lot of his friends were you know giving him shit for. You know, are you opening up an ultra lounge, a martini bar? And nobody really understood, I guess, at the time, sort yeah. of what the craft cocktail, you know, here at craft cocktails entailed. So um, it's been great. I uh, kind of started off, I guess, as a more of a prohibition speakeasy. Um, people were still trying to wrap their heads around exactly what, you know, cocktails represented with, you know, fresh ingredients and a range of spirits, uh, right. quality, care, all that good stuff. So, um, the space, the space is great. We yeah. love because Corktown, yeah, we're downtown Detroit. People Detroit's oldest Detroit neighborhood. Area. Yep. Yep. So you don't know that it's Corktown is just uh, just uh, right adjacent to where the former Tiger Stadium used Correct. to be, Correct. and then they opened this massive massive Comerica there. Park thing, <laughs> yeah. and they tore down you know Briggs Stadium, Tiger uh -huh. Stadium. They tore it down, and it was really kind of a coin toss as to what was going to happen right. to Corktown because. The, the bars and restaurants down around here, I mean, really relied on the Tigers and, and Tiger Stadium. Very much so. And so when the stadium moved about, you know, a mile and a half, three miles over, uh, it was really what's going to happen in Corktown. And, and Detroit wasn't on its juggernaut return that it is on right now. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was really a, a, a coin toss at that point. And, mm -hmm. and they jumped in, and that's around that time when they jumped in. 
uh, and, and open this up. You know, you have you know the the Mercury Bar and Slow's Barbecue. Yeah. There's some good eats around here, and then you got the Sugar House with some some great great food. Um, Just the the atmosphere, the space itself. You know, the yeah, it's very Art Deco. Yeah. At that, I'm not. I'm Art not. Were, were you part of this whole? Sh- no, I, I don't have anything to do with the design. <laughs> so the lovely wall of death. Uh, yeah. No, I mean. The lovely wall of death. It's certainly the, the lovely wall of death has grown over time. <laughs> if you go back far enough, you can find some pictures of the first year where there's like maybe 30 bottles in the back bar. But that was uh, solely up to Dave, a labor of love. You know, yeah. he lived upstairs. Uh, Dave was generally uh, really involved with the design and actual physical construction so he built this place uh pretty much you know obviously with help but his vision his uh his uh, manual labor and as well as uh he actually bartended initially so that was you know going on eight years i've been here about five years a little over five years so you know when i uh started here to speak to the growth of corktown i mean there was a point where i think we didn't even have a sign on the door and people were Wondering, oh, is it just kind of like the overflow of Slows? Because Slows was yeah, yeah. such an iconic Detroit institution, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, nice. even up to five years ago, cars were getting stolen. Oh, on, I, I was know, gonna Michigan say, you Act. come down, you come down to oh, Corktown, yeah. make sure you take all your shit out of your oh, car because yeah. your window is most likely gonna get popped. But now that's not the case. So that's yeah, you know, I know. I've had I, you know, I was like, I've yeah. had my window cracked in front of St. Andrews yeah. more than once back in the you know <laughs> mid nineties. Any know, any city like, that you go to, that's gonna be a thing for. But I, I specifically remember Saturday nights. The where city is changing. Working and literally cars would get stolen right on Michigan Avenue, right <laughs> in front of the bar, yeah, and right. you're like, you felt so bad. But you know, even in the last you know two three years. Um, it's really accelerated, and you've got Ford. You know, purchased the train station over there, yeah. As well as investing in a number of uh, blocks here. So you Portland. guys are poised for for some greatness here at yeah. at, at, at the Sugar House. Hey, you guys have uh, events that happen here every so often. You do live uh, jazz bands as well, yep. and such like that. Is Nicole that a new thing? Or yeah, Nicole New uh, is our monthly uh, jazz feature once we a love, month on Sunday night. She's a friend of the show. She's, oh, she's uh, amazing. Yeah. I think you know I've been fortunate to or see her. Or we wanted to be a friend of the show. <laughs> well, we should work uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. So we we know her. It's like I said, I teach high school, and the guy who was my student teacher, I DJ at his wedding. She was a maid of honor and sang at the wedding. We worked and we've known each other from the bars and pubs and stuff. And uh, no, she she is awesome. That's a good. It's a good thing if you're in Detroit. Uh, you know. Look her, look at, look it up because that's a, a good, yeah. that's a good go wherever oh, yeah. she's performing. She's amazing. I've had the pleasure to see her at a number of uh, locations, but there's something special about her in the space, the, yeah, uh, the size, the intimacy, sort yeah. of Sunday night. You know, her voice is amazing. I think the interesting thing about what we do here is it's tech, we call it the jazz jams because what she does, she's always singing, but she opens it up to any musician that kind of wants to come in and just step in. So you know, people will come in, come out, and. Huh. It really is an oh, interesting. It's like an open mic night. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Can she do like brandy, looking glass, because that's my jam. <laughs> I imagine. If, I imagine pool, she could knock that out of the park. All so. Western Bay, and it's, it's that's my that's my oh that's karaoke. No, never mind. It's different. That's ah. different. So our bartenders here, your bartenders here. Yes. Uh, pretty cool. They're up there shaking it up and. Uh, Tell me about your bartenders, because it, it seems like you got a pretty cool array of folks behind the bar. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a, I came up through the Sugar House system myself, starting as a bar bag server, bartender, uh, manager. And uh, honestly, you know, Sugar House has been recognized, uh, one of Esquire's best bars, uh, you know, in America. It's a nationally recognized craft cocktail program, so standards are really high. It's a, it's a, a strenuous program that you've got to stick with, and... Uh, but the result, uh, you know, the end result is that 
you, you got a lot of really talented people and passionate about what they do. Yeah. I mean, it's 101 classic cocktails. Our menu is 101 classic cocktails, seasonal, mm-hmm. a rotating menu. I think on any given month, we pull the product mix. We could have 350 unique cocktails that people make. So wow. in addition to, you know, over 600 spirits on the back bar. So, wow, you know, okay. you got to put the There's work in. Yeah. Right. Even, you know, you got to put the work in before you step behind the bar. But what that does is it creates a, a system where, again, like you're passionate about spirits, you're passionate about hospitality, you're passionate about uh, cocktails, you get behind the bar and that's what we do. We create memorable experiences through and hospitality, you know. Sugar House has set the bar very, very high yeah. in, in, in Detroit alone. So, yeah. so everyone's trying to yeah, try to do the same thing or try to mimic what you do. Yeah. I, I think people are trying to mimic what's happening here because yeah. uh, yeah. it is it is very very cool. Well, I mean, it, we do we do mixology class. I, to this day, I'm surprised. I mean, for five years straight, we've been doing mixology classes that sell out every month. So wow. you know, people. Come in and because yeah, people want to make these cocktails at oh, home. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's fun. fun. You paper clip a fucking leaf to fun. a goddamn cup there. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, That's but it fun. works. Yeah, I wanna, it's, you got your crinkly scissors and yeah. you, you cut that out. And, and, it's, uh, and it's no judgment, you know. It's, it's like uh, no, it's great. But, it's, no, it's fun. It's, it's like good, if people want to do that at home, but you guys teach that, and yeah, it's fun to come down and, and do that. So um, there was something else. I was going somewhere else. Uh, it, it escaped me. Uh, the the cocktails, the, the recipes that that uh, are behind the bar. That was what I was gonna say. Who's welcome at the Sugar House? Oh, everybody. That's that's what I was kind of getting at. With like, there's no judgment. I mean, maybe they're uh, at times twenty one and over, and well, that's it. Twenty one and over. Yes, yes that's the judgment. Besides that's that, the only thing. Game on. Other than that, game on. You know, right? if you because I'm an old fart. Yeah. I'm like what fifty three hey. now. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed. Absolutely. I'm not absolutely. No. As long no, as do no you have hip, a, no hipster judgment? No, no, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, if somebody wants to come and order a Jack Yo, and Coke, hey, I would Generation X, get out of here. Put that in front of your face with a smile and hopefully by the time you're sitting there, <laughs> you say you know, hospitality. Yeah, it's, it is. It really is hospitality. We strive to create memorable experiences of hospitality. And if if what is in the glass puts a smile on your face, then we're happy with that. Excellent. Now, hopefully, if we, you know, if you order Jack and Coke and you're happy, by the time you're sitting there enjoying that Jack and Coke, um, you know, the person next to you or down the bar are having conversations. You're seeing things being smoked. You're seeing things being lit on fire. You're hearing conversations about interesting things. Maybe by your second or third drink, you're willing to step in and try something a little bit different. And then, you know. There's no, there's no televisions to watch here anyway. Sure. Yeah. So I might yeah, as well talk to somebody. another one yeah. of these bars that yeah. I, I love because there's not a There's, there's not, not a, a television TV. inside, yeah. There's not, except for recording this silly thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't touched my phone since we've been in here. So I haven't even tweeted the pictures I've taken yet. So I'll tweet when I get out of here. That's what it is. It's uh, a love of friends. It's a love of spirits. It's a love about, you know, just connecting and and having the drinks be a part of an experience. All right. Well, Jason, thanks for uh, inviting us down. Thanks for bringing the uh, the yard bag and uh, Glenn Morant, you guys in here, Cameron, let us talk to Cameron. Uh, thanking us for setting up the man cave shop in the in the, in the face of your bar here. <laughs> yeah, we really we really appreciate it. And uh, you know we'll be back uh, as long as you don't change the address. Cheers, Cheers man. <laughs> Thank you.